1: really wanting to have that closeness, wanting to have that safety and security that they're not going to be abandoned. Um, So somewhere along the line in their formative years, they perceived their caregivers as inconsistent. Maybe there was some abandonment.
2: Welcome to Habits You Love, a thought-provoking podcast about self-love, self-healing, and spiritual evolution. I'm Kayla Fazio, and with each episode, it is my mission to expand your mind to what you think is possible for you and provoke thoughts of looking at your own healing you may need and help you discover the power you have within you to build healthy habits and create a life you love. Now, let's get to the episode. We are going to do something really special. I do have my on-staff therapist, Morgan Winder, on today. She is a therapist out of Phoenix, and we try once a month to get together and discuss a lot of different topics about mental health, emotional well-being, and this is going to be a topic that I'm not so knowledgeable on, but I do want to be more knowledgeable about, and Morgan's going to run us through... um, little bit more of it today but what we're going to talk about today are attachment styles and we're going to dive deeper into one specific attachment styles um when i was doing my research on this i came across a really cool study that they did on children so attachment styles really develop early in childhood and they can last you know, throughout the rest of your life into your relationships, really how you go into the world, your, your just relationships with people as far as like trust or fear or jealousy and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I'm just excited to dive deeper and welcome
1: Morgan. Thank you for being on the episode. I'm so happy to be back. Um, This truly is one of my favorite topics. It always comes up at some point in treatment um, with any age. So even if it's a younger kiddo, educating the parents on it and their attachment to their kid and my teenage to adult clients, this is always a topic because it really does affect so much. It's how we attach to everyone in our lives. So even coworkers, parents are when parents have children, so peers, romantic relationships. So it's always a topic and it's always so informative and helpful for people to learn more about the relationships and how to just operate in a more secure way. So I'm really excited to talk about this. Does anyone ever come in
2: specifically about an attachment style or is it something that just gets brought up based
1: on behavior and what they're already kind of going through and what they want help with? Yeah, it is interesting. People do actually come in specifically for their attachment. And when that is the case, they pretty much have done previous work on relationships or have a further understanding and done their own research and understand a little bit more about their attachment style, really from that point they have identified it but really want to work on getting to secure attachment that is rare it typically is me providing the education once I have more information on the client on what attachment styles are helping them identify and working from there
2: yeah definitely like in the back of your mind you're probably like okay this is the attachment style you are and they probably have no idea (laughs) and then you just school them on their their own selves yeah, yes,
1: it's <laughs> um, it's a difficult thing to identify with because it really does teach you so much about yourself. That I once had someone describe it perfectly. It's so violating, but validating at the same time to understand your attachment style. Um, so it is hard work for sure. Oh my gosh, I love that.
2: Yeah. It's validating. It's invalidating, but violating. Yes. <laughs> That's good. That's really good. Yeah, I, again, I really haven't done much research. I need to read that book, Attached. I'm sure you've read it.
1: Yeah, so
2: good. Yeah, okay. I feel like that might, that might be the Bible of attachment styles. I don't know. I haven't really seen any other, any other ones pop up, but just from doing a little bit of research, I'm pretty sure I know that I'm avoidant attachment. Um, and looking back on my life, I can definitely, like confirm all that attachment style like
1: yeah that's definitely what I am absolutely that once you read examples of the traits and get in a little bit more of an understanding on how that specific attachment style was formed it is pretty easy to identify however I do recommend everyone going back there's a great quiz on attachmentproject.com that I recommend to everyone Uh, because it is really interesting. It forces you to peel back the layers on your caregivers and really think deep into early childhood and in which way your needs were met. And it really forces you to sit down and just think about maybe things you haven't in a while and peel back those layers. So it's always helpful to identify your attachment style that way too, because I think it just helps give a further understanding and really kind of wrap it up in a bow, if you will, on how that attachment style was formed wow
2: that's interesting so attachmentproject.com
1: yes great resource such good education it'll give you a full report at the end that is um like a pdf form on just further education on typically how this is formed your traits um they have great workbooks it's just a good all-in-one resource that i always recommend
2: that's awesome i'll definitely put that in the show notes for everyone to quickly just go and click on that link so that's Amazing. And again, this is really just goes back to what a lot of healing work is, therapy work is, is understanding yourself Mm -hmm. so you can better learn how, why you're in certain situations, why you keep attracting certain people, you know, and it's like, as soon as you understand yourself and you can trace that back to childhood and be, and connect those dots, it's like, I don't know. It just feels like a weight lifted off your shoulders because then you have, the information and the data and you can go from there but when you're just mindlessly walking around this world and you're just like why does this keep happening to me it's like at some point you have to take responsibility and accept that you have a role to play in it and the quicker and the sooner you can really understand yourself and learn why you are the way you are you can really start to make changes
1: absolutely i could not agree more and this is the first step a lot of people don't know that your attachment style is actually flexible in the sense that every insecure attachment style that i know will go into Um, you can work towards secure attachment, which is the goal. And a lot of people are like, how do I get there? Please tell me everything to get to secure attachment. And the first step is truly understanding that awareness on such a deeper level. Because if we don't have that, we can't catch those patterns or necessarily catch the behavior we're engaging in or when our attachment is triggered. So it really, especially for attachment, like the first step is truly awareness.
2: Yes, attachment awareness, all the A's, all the V's. Today, so you have, <laughs> you shouldn't, you shouldn't be forgetting any of this. Um, but let me dive into this study that I, I came across. And like you said, there are three insecure attachment styles and one secure, which is kind of like the hierarchy, the one that you want to get to, that you want to work towards. Um, I would be really curious to know if I know anyone that has a secure attachment. I think I, a couple of names come to my mind, but honestly, I'm like, is anyone secure these days in themselves and in other, other people? I, um, but again, this starts, yeah. It's a little golden egg for sure. Yes. And so, you know, I just like announcing recently that we're pregnant, then it like, I'm just so much more interested in this now because mm-hmm. I definitely want... When I have the information, when you as a parent or you want to become a parent has that information and you know the best possible you know, outcome for your child and you understand it and you know it, it's like, okay, so now I can actually work to hopefully help my child be securely attached. Yeah. So what this study was, um, it was just a group of parents and children and they put them in a room and had the parents leave the child in the room. And so they really wanted to gather information on how did, do the children respond to separation and how they respond whenever they were reunited with their parents. And that is kind of how the attachment styles were formed and how they placed the children in it. So like I said, there's four different attachment styles. So I'll start with the secure one. It's the the one that you really want to strive for your child to be. Or if you know that you're not, you can still make changes to become that. So this is basically how it went. So with secure attachment, um, children, these were the children who experienced discomfort at first when their parents did leave the room, but they soon settled down and kind of went back to normalcy. And then when the parents came back, they really just had this sense of normalcy. It was like, okay, I'm a little uncomfortable at first because I just saw my mom or dad leave out the door, but then they can kind of just quickly come out of that and like start to play or or whatever they were doing in the room Um, the second one was the anxiously attached so this is when the parents would leave um, but when the parents came back or the the child would definitely experience you know some sort of discomfort and the parents would come back Um, they did receive some sort of comfort but the children would quote punish them for being gone like this is It was like they weren't well adjusted to know that the parents would be back. It was like, oh my God, you're leaving me and abandoning me um, for good. And so they just were super uncomfortable and they weren't well adjusted or knew or understood that the parents would leave, but they would always come back. And then the third one was the avoidant attachment. So this is when parents left the room And the children didn't care or seem to affect them. And the same, uh, I'm sorry, they didn't didn't seem to care when the parents left and they were like, "Eh, whatever, (laughs) or it didn't seem to affect them. They didn't cry. They didn't get upset. They weren't just uh, uncomfortable. And then the same reaction when the parents came back into the room, like they made no effort to be comforted by them. So the children kind of went out of their way to keep playing, almost as if to say, I'm going to let you know that I'm avoiding you. So I don't have to experience whatever it is. I don't know how to communicate or verbalize. So that's avoidant attachment. And then the fourth one, the fourth insecure is disorganized. So this is, like you said, a combination of anxious and avoidant where it's like chaotic attachment um, and where the individuals, their source of safety is also their source of fear. So they want to be close, But they know as soon as they get too close to someone, they push away. So they're like anxiously trying to hold on to someone. But then when they get them, they want to avoid them and push them away. So that's basically the research that I did, Um, kind of how it develops in early childhood and how you can understand which attachment style your child has. So
1: sorry that was long-winded, but that's basically it. Yeah, that study is so fascinating. It's one of the first things you learn if you're thinking about like um, your traditional like psych major or psych 101. It's when you learn attachment styles, that's the study they show you because. Is that the study, the strange situation? Yep. Okay. Um, Because it does do such a good visual explanation of what those attachment styles are and how they play out in such a simple scenario and how yeah. all those kids are in the same situation but how each of them react differently to their caregiver. So it is really extremely interesting.
2: So interesting and I mean I don't really remember so much of childhood, but I definitely avoid it. Like I I was never one that was like completely obsessed with my parents or like can remember just being super attached to them, I just remember being like, meh, okay, <laughs> oh, you're gone, and I'm sure you're coming back, I don't know, but honestly, I can, your attachment style stays the same, but the behavior around it changes, obviously, from childhood to middle school mm-hmm. to high school to adult life, and in relationships, so I definitely, like, you know, I was not one until recently, maybe I'm becoming more secure, <laughs> but I was just not one to like communicate my feelings. Like I would avoid confrontation. I would, if someone left and walked out the door, like I I was, I wouldn't care. And I was like, okay, well I either have like no feelings or I don't know. Like I, I just was never like affected by it either way. Um, yeah. And even like, a, even like in, um, like your sexual life too, like how you perceive like sex and stuff like that. That's actually your attachment style will come out in that as well,
1: which is crazy. Absolutely. And that's something that is so interesting about attachment styles is that with more resources and more outlets to get this education out there, that is something that um, is being talked about more, which is so helpful about attachment styles isn't just romantic relationships. This is with your friendships. This is with parents, peers, coworkers, but especially with physical intimacy. Every person in a different attachment style is going to handle physical intimacy in a different way. So I'm glad mm-hmm. you brought that up and recognize that because it it is true. It does. I mean, physical intimacy is such a form of attachment. Of course, our attachment style is going to play into that.
2: Yeah. I'll have to maybe, while you're talking, I have to find it. It was actually from the holistic psychologist, you know, how she does those, like she plays out those scenarios and she actually was doing attachment styles based on sex and I was definitely avoidant. And I think it was something about like, which I don't know how, how much I'm exposing of myself here, but it was like, sex doesn't really mean a lot to me mm. like it doesn't mean like i'm like like oh, i am like yours now you know what i mean it was just i have to find it maybe if um if i can but i just remember it being like you know it doesn't mean the same to me as it might my partner who's like oh when we have sex we're super close and you know it's mushy gushy we're so like bonded and i'm just like uh <laughs>
1: Absolutely, oh, no, that's bad, but no, not but at yeah, all. That's
2: that's my attachment style. I don't know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I love those posts where it does play out those scenarios. Um and truly yes. we could do like a whole other episode on the intimacy of attachment styles because it is so true. And I think that's where it gets difficult with different attachment styles being physically intimate and not being aware of it. Um I think it's helpful to be aware of your partner's attachment style. Uh, because yes, play out your communication, physical intimacy, spending time together. It's, it's just as important as love languages. It's so important to know that attachment style to be able to make sure you guys are recognizing those attachment triggers, attachment wounds and, and helping each other out with that. So we are going to
2: dive deep. You picked one. We wanted to do anxious attachment style today to focus on that one. What is the definition? What is it? What does it mean to be anxiously attached?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, the anxious attachment online, sometimes you see this also is called preoccupied. They're the same attachment style. So each attachment style is rooted in some type of like attachment wound. So for the insecure attachment, so for avoidant, disorganized, and anxious, there's some type of attachment wound, a need that wasn't met there. So for the anxious attachment, this is rooted in fear of abandonment, Um, the insecurity of being underappreciated. So a lot of the behaviors and examples of this that I'm going to provide for the anxious attachment. All of this is really the fear of being separated from your partner, that fear of abandonment. So a lot of the anxious, um, attachment behaviors in that partner are going to be, um, essentially like the avoidance worst nightmare of becoming so close. And, um, really wanting to have that closeness, wanting to have that safety and security that they're not going to be abandoned. Um, So somewhere along the line in their formative years, they perceived their caregivers as inconsistent. Maybe there was some abandonment. One um, parent was providing maybe a more secure attachment. The other one was more absent. So that was inconsistent. So it really forms this constant anxiety and preoccupied behavior for that individual.
2: so interesting because, honestly, I feel like I have a little bit of that, too. Mm. Like, my parents were always there, but I feel like maybe emotionally, because, you know, I've said this, like, they didn't provide us the emotional tools. So maybe that's a form of being inconsistent or abandoned um, by not, just not being there emotionally for the child. I don't know if that's even a thing.
1: Yeah, that does fit the criteria for avoidant because especially for avoidant, it is so common to have both parents physically there and they provide all the needs that you think about, about being physically present, um, providing all of the basic needs. But as far as emotionally, if they were unable to connect to their emotions, it is most likely that they were able to respond to yours in a way where you felt secure enough to show your emotions in a safe way and lean into that. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. When
2: you said preoccupied, I'm just thinking like, I feel like I would preoccupy myself, (laughs) be like kind of put myself in scenarios where I didn't. Yeah. Like where I wasn't like present or I wasn't in the moment or I I was like somewhere else mentally. So yeah, I don't know if that goes with avoidant or anxious.
1: Yeah, so that's a good point to bring up. The preoccupied with the anxious, what that leans more towards is that you are preoccupied with putting others before yourself. Ooh, so that's okay. a good point to bring up of that. the The strengths, if you will, of the avoidant are they're really independent. They mm. really are okay with kind of going off and doing their own thing, and are okay with that. They don't need someone else for like there for that they really do have this strong sense of independence and so I could imagine that feels like preoccupied in a different way um yeah where the anxious is there's a lot of emotional discomfort in being alone sometimes and they're more willing to put other people's needs before their own to get that safety and security and just make sure that person stays Totally,
2: totally. I mean, you can totally see it when you kind of look at the definition versus the characteristics of someone that has anxiously attached. Like you said, it's rooted in abandonment fears and just inconsistencies with your caregivers and just learning that your caregivers may or may not do what they say they're going to do, or show up, or come through, or show up to your baseball game, or show up to your recital, Um, and that's telling you, like, okay, like, I I just can't trust, and so then when you kind of look at the characteristics of someone that has it, it's like they perceive themselves um, to not be worthy of love, and intensely fearful of rejection to avoid abandonment Mm -hmm. um then they become super clingy and like just jealous in a relationship where you're constantly worried like is are they cheating on me are they doing this do they love me you know and constantly having to get that validation almost of like do you love me do you love me do you love me Blah, blah blah like constant validation so it all makes sense when you look at the definition
1: the way it's formed um and all that Absolutely, yeah. So to go with that, some some of the other signs of it too are um, there can be signs of codependency with this. So again, kind of going back to putting other people's needs before your own, um, emotional and intense discomfort of being alone, difficulty setting boundaries, that fear of of abandonment, feeling um, dependent on others intense desire for intimacy or closeness, um, the people-pleasing tendencies, and difficulty trusting others. So as much as the anxious attachment do want to be close to people, sometimes they have that difficulty in trusting that there is going to be that consistency or that difficulty to believing that they aren't going to leave and abandon them.
2: Yeah, it just seems like such, like you're coming up on like, you want different Things in a way. It's like you are so worried about, is this person going to leave me? But then when they're always around, you're like, not, you're not fully giving yourself to them. So it's weird because it's like, yeah, you don't, yeah. you don't want to fully give yourself to someone who you know, don't know if you could trust, but also you're causing the mistrust in your mind or like you're creating the mistrust. And then you're like, well, I can't trust that person. But it's like, you're creating the mistrust.
1: So it's really weird. Absolutely. And you'll see this play out in each insecure attachment style, where it's a little bit like self-fulfilling prophecy, where because their attachment style is all that they've known, there's almost like these attachment tests that occur, if you will. So... Example for anxious, if they're getting so, so close to someone that they're almost pushing them away and the person leaves, it's almost like, see, it's like revalidating that core belief of like, okay, I can't be close to people because when I get close, they move away. When, gotcha. When yeah. in reality, like, yes, those core beliefs might be true on things in your past, but if there was more leaning into that secure attachment, there would be- healthier conversations around what's going on in the relationship, not maybe overly pushing boundaries and um, becoming so close and maybe having that clinginess to a partner. So same thing happens with the avoidant and disorganized attachment style as well. So it is interesting, like you're saying of almost their biggest fear. Sometimes the behaviors almost make that happen.
2: Yeah. I mean, just To put that in an example that comes to my mind, and I'll reverse the roles this time because we're always picking on the men. So let me reverse (laughs) the roles here. So say we have an anxiously attached man with a securely attached woman starting out in a relationship, they're dating, they're months in, and then the guy is, like, constantly just creating that, like, the question of trust, like you know, the jealousy and Mm -hmm. the secure attachment woman is not doing anything. But over time, if the man is constantly, where were you last night? Why didn't you text me back in five seconds? Um, You know, stalking or whatever, like going to the place you say you are, making sure you're there, then the secure attached woman obviously breaks it off. She's like, well, I can't do this anymore. And then the man goes out and says, see like I knew that I couldn't trust you and this always happens to me or you know what I mean so yeah they just they pause the situation and then blame the other person uh crazy Absolutely. so and I can definitely I've definitely known some women to do that where it's like they're just so crazy I'm sorry to say it but they're so crazy and they drive the other person away and then they're constantly wondering like why is everyone leaving me but they don't even see it in themselves that they're the ones doing it
0: the traditional guidance with fertility has been just wait and see but now we have tools to help us plan for and track everything in our lives wellness finances careers school why is fertility still wait and see with modern fertility you don't have to wait I took the modern fertility test just a couple of months before I got pregnant, and I was amazed to see all the information they give you. You'll get insight into your hormone levels like your ovarian reserve and other important factors that can impact your fertility. The results go deep into what every hormone means, and you can also download the results to review with your doctor for next steps. It's an easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. All you have to do is mail it in with your prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within six business days, just like I did. Traditional hormone testing at a fertility clinic can cost you over $600. But Modern Fertility tests the same general set of hormones for only $179. And if you go to modernfertility.com habits, you can get yours for $20 off. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com habits. That means your test will only cost you $159, which is a fraction of what it would cost at a fertility clinic. Get $20 off your fertility tests when you go to modernfertility.com slash habits. That's modernfertility.com slash habits.
1: Yeah. And it is so hard that really the attachment styles do play out the way they do and again it really goes back to that awareness to be able to calm that down so maybe if someone's feeling triggered of okay my partner is like not near with me I want to be checking up I want to be calling and texting a lot I feel suspicious It really comes down to that ability to emotionally regulate and rationalize and calm that anxiety to get to that secure attachment. So if someone is unaware of those patterns, they're not going to be able to catch it to really recorrect and recorrect and recorrect, which is how we get to secure attachment. So again, just going to stressing how important it is to know the examples and for each individual We might have different triggers that activate our attachment. So just getting that help to figure out what your triggers are. So when they're happening in your relationship, you're a little bit more aware to catch it and recorrect it and work with your partner to recorrect it too. Definitely.
2: So if someone was to read the definition of anxiously attached, but they can't really you know, remember. They can't think back to their childhood and think, you know, did I ever have that feeling of not trusting if my caregiver was going to show up? Or maybe they just really strongly know. I know you mentioned the um, attachment project, but do you have any tips where someone can maybe go off right now and kind of like start to learn? Or maybe just a couple of tips or tricks they can take right now and be like, figure out their attachment style. Or is it basically just researching and trying to really remember what you remember?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think a big part of anxious attachment to kind of think back in your childhood and even your romantic relationships growing up in relationships in general is did you constantly feel like other people don't care about you as much as you care about them? I think that is a huge component. Someone who is securely attached wouldn't necessarily feel that way. They would be like, no, I never questioned how people feel about me or my friendships, relationships, not even my parents. Um, did you ever question if your parents were going to abandon you or feel abandoned by them? So I think that's another way of figuring out, did it constantly feel like people were leaving you or that you didn't feel good enough to keep these relationships? Um and also, I think, really, how comfortable do you feel depending on others? Um, maybe someone who is avoidantly attached is not going to look back and feel like, okay, always needed to depend on others. I always mm. needed to disclose information to feel supportive or go to my caregivers and talk and process things with them. So I think for an anxiously attached, they're going to feel like their relationships in general that they really want to depend on others and want to be really close with them
2: yeah yeah that's good I mean I think it's really easy to decipher that what you just said I don't think anyone would be like hmm I don't remember like yeah you know if you are f- scared of being abandoned or rejected or like you said always depending on people or always a scared people are gonna leave you so That's a really good one. Um, Just a quick little like, okay, I, I probably am anxious attachment style. And then you can dive deeper into that specific one and learn again, understand it, learn it. It's just data. It's just information. That's all you need to know. It doesn't mean anything about you. It doesn't mean anything about your past. It doesn't even define your future because fortunately this is curable (laughs) and it's reversible. Whereas some things aren't all the time, you know? So it's just learning that and then constantly putting it into action. Like you said, I really like that you brought up just the trigger. It's like, okay, if you're in a relationship and you have the trigger of like your boyfriend or girlfriend went out, they're going out with friends. Like what's your immediate thought that comes to your mind? Is it like, oh crap. Like, you know, you get super worried super jealous. You want to know where they're going, what time, who's going to be there. You better call me, blah, blah, blah. Like that's a trigger in and of itself. So just, just being aware of those immediate reactions you have when people say something or do something or act a certain way. It's like, how, what's your first reaction to those things? That's a pretty clear like sign of of what you have.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And again, like you said, just being aware of those triggers and how it comes up. And something that's helpful, just kind of like a tip and tool to be able to take away is typically there's always a specific thinking pattern or core belief, if you will, with each attachment style. So maybe for anxious attachment, it's going to be like I'm going to be abandoned or I don't feel good enough. Um, Doing what's called an evidence log. So that's going to be pretty much making a chart of evidence for that belief and evidence against that belief for an avoidant maybe that's the belief of it's not safe to be close to others or it's not safe to talk about my emotions. So really being able to provide evidence for that belief and evidence against, and it really does help you sit down and challenge those negative beliefs you have about your attachment style or um, with your partner. So for anxious, avoid it and disorganized, whatever that thinking pattern is in belief, the um, evidence log is a helpful tool to kind of just be able to put immediately in action to just sit there and challenge your thoughts before you act on it or before you pull away or want to lean in closer or make an impulsive decision. It kind of just helps you pause.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to reiterate, like when you are doing this work, it's you need to like you need to forgive yourself for what you didn't have control over or what you didn't know at the time. Like, it's really hard to go back to your childhood and be like, I wasn't even in control of myself. And this is kind of what other people, quote unquote, did to me. And now I'm having to unlearn all this stuff. So just like really forgiving your parents, your caregivers, because everyone is just doing the best they can with what they know. Yeah. And to just accept that in the moment and and not to say move on, like just get over it, but just have grace and forgiveness for, again, what you didn't know at the time and what they didn't know at the time. Like, I don't want to be avoidant attachment, but that really wasn't really up to me <laughs> at the time. But it's up to me now <laughs> to make sure that I reverse it and I, I work towards that secure attachment.
1: Absolutely. That's always, I think, the hardest part in a session or even when I, like, assign this as a homework is that frustration of, I didn't ask for this. There was nothing I could have it, do to change yeah. this. Yeah. this has a big role with parents. So it's oftentimes there's a little bit of anger towards that parent or just that childhood experience of, I did not know at the time that these needs not being met would lead to this and the way I choose partners and the way I behave in relationships and just attach to others. So it's totally valid to have that sense of frustration, but again, allowing yourself that grace. And that's the beautiful part about attachment styles is that it is flexible. I've seen people go from anxious, avoidant, disorganized attachment and get to secure. Mm. I just watch how their like taste has changed in the like the romantic partners um, based on them changing their patterns and watching them being able to identify their attachment triggers and recorrect it to secure attachment. And it's so fascinating to watch and it is possible so I think that's the the great thing about attachment cells is there is that light at the end of the tunnel and hope if you're willing to put in the work. Ah, uh, yes. That's so beautiful. That's,
2: that's like the best thing you could ever see is like really someone changing their, I mean, I guess it starts with beliefs. It's like the beliefs about themselves, which turns into your character and just, yeah, it's like getting more secure within yourself to become mm. more confident to know that you don't have to. Well, first of all, you don't need anyone else, but you don't have to. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like it's kind of like desperation, honestly, in a in a sense of like, please love me, don't leave me. It's like that's that in a relationship is never going to work, and it's not going to take you very far, and it's just going to keep you stuck in that anxious cycle. So you might as well break it. And, and be able to, to date someone secure. But I, I was looking on my computer, doing some research, and there was like some nine ways to ease anxiety while dating. And it goes with an, uh, anxious attachment styles. And mm-hmm. I won't do all of them because some of them are kind of just, I don't know, I just won't do all of them. But, you know, one of them is, um, you know, get clear about your values and needs. It does say date someone secure, which I think would be really good, but also a lot of test like a lot of tests to you, which would be really good. Absolutely. But if you date someone secure, then it's like you see how they react or don't react. And you're like, huh, okay, like they are so secure in themselves. Like, I want to be like that. Yep. So, you know, it might be tough at first, but just kind of learning from a secure person. I think one of these is also really good. Practicing detachment. Whew. Detachment is like the word. Yeah. You need to be detached from everything in life, but especially from, from people, because people are going to let you down. So not placing your worth, your value, your, yeah, just your worth and value in someone else, your happiness, um, and detach from, from them. Like you can want them, but you don't have to need them. Um, it says don't resort to protest behavior, which I really like that. Absolutely. Um, Such you know, a big part of it yeah. is
1: attachment.
2: Yeah, so maybe you can go deeper into that. Like, what is protest behavior?
1: So protest behavior, oftentimes an anxious attachment does get resentful if because they're always putting other people's needs before their own, if that's not being reciprocated, which you see this in, like, um, just getting outside of attachment styles, just people-pleasing behavior. But protest behavior is really that strong, like digging your feet in the ground, like dying on that hill. protest behavior of like getting really angry at your partner and just that unhealthy communication style that because you feel unseen and unheard that you're almost like shut off and just angry and dying on that hill rather than being open to communication and open to hearing your partner. So maybe if you're calling and texting your partner while they're out and maybe they're not responding or they're just being secure and just kind of like not engaging in all of the texts and calls, someone might go into that protest behavior because they don't feel seen, they don't feel heard and really just get so stern and resentful and angry.
2: Yeah, it's like that, oh, they're going to hear from me when they get home.
1: <laughs>
2: like, they're going to get it.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And it's, it is yeah. so common when you think about people pleasing. Like, if you're constantly putting your needs before others and people, it feels like people aren't reciprocating that back. There does become that big resentment of, well, why aren't other people doing this for me? And why yeah. am I always putting myself out there? And that just, like, that exhaustion. So, yeah. Yeah eliminating the protest behavior is definitely helpful
2: yeah we've talked a lot about you know this and dating and stuff but um and i think we've talked a lot about it in general and i think it's really good information i think it's really enough information for someone to at least pique their interest and and maybe spark a little like huh like maybe i should look into that more um is there anything else you want to say about anxious attachment other than you know where it's how it gets developed and how it can show up any other thing we should know about it
1: yeah I wanted to give a few of kind of just like some real life examples we talked about maybe calling and texting a lot but um some like modern day examples of this could be frequently checking social media a lot for information so um oftentimes when attachment is triggered maybe someone's like looking up that person a lot or constantly checking in on them almost like not stalking, but checking in on social media very yeah. that's a really anxious reaction. Um, feeling suspicious when everything is calm. So, say the relationship is going really well, things are secure, that feeling really suspicious, like something bad's about to happen. Um, really those typical anxious behavior of that fear of the unknown, fear that something bad might might be happening because things are calm. Uh, Yeah, it's like, it's too good to be true right now. Absolutely. Like, what am I missing? And that that is a typical behavior of someone who is highly anxious. When everything is calm, it's almost like, okay, what am I missing? There must be something I need to be worrying about. Um, This is like a good work example. So overextending on work projects to please your coworkers, maybe like breaking some boundaries with coworkers to want to please them, Um, having a hard time saying no, um, repeatedly asking your partner if they find you attractive or do you love me? Um, do you care about me? Um, and then just calling and texting repeatedly a lot. So if that partner is not physically present and maybe you don't have the security of knowing their whereabouts or what's going on, just really having that fear and wanting to become even closer.
2: Yeah, those are great. Especially the social media thing. It's like, yeah. You're like, are they, where are they, are they posting on their story right now? (laughs) Like I texted you, but now I'm seeing that you're posting stories and then whoo wee, a whole thunderstorm of emotions starts
1: to come up. Absolutely. And even if that's like, that could be post breakup too of that attachment rather than maybe feeling secure and moving on, um, of feeling like you need to be frequently checking up on and constantly checking for those signs or answers or feeling anxious about it. Definitely a big modern-day sign of anxious attachment. Yeah. So I know I've said it multiple times that I'm like,
2: maybe I'm anxiously attached, but honestly I'm wondering if maybe people can like dip in and out for like, a season of their life because yeah. when you just said that I was thinking you know kind of post after I got divorced and then after my mom died which is like few, two huge things of abandonment you know like absolutely well one left one chose to left to leave actually they both chose to leave whatever but I just remember I was like in this quote I was it wasn't even a relationship but I was dating someone I was just so anxiously attached to them I was like that was me what you just described like constantly checking social media and like if I like I think I called I think I one time I called them and then they texted me back and I was like I just called you like why you're not answering like I don't know it's just I it was crazy but I think there was just like such a huge sense of abandonment at once absolutely and like, I was so anxiously attached at in that season of my life to people to relationships and um but yeah, and I think I kind of came out of that. I think I've really, if I look at it, I'm probably like most of my life avoidant, anxiously attached for a little bit. And now I feel like I'm like way more securely attached um, in all aspects yeah, that's of life. So.
1: That it is, it can be so flexible like that. Um, not to make attachment cells more complex, but you bring up a good point that Say something later in life happens, like in your adulthood, exactly like you described, two big traumatic incidences, mm-hmm. absolutely change our attachment style. So maybe if an anxious attachment had the experience of like, okay, I got so hurt being so close to people, it could definitely skew on the opposite side of Now I don't want to be close to anyone or Mm. getting that big sense of independence, feeling unsafe, being close to others. So it absolutely can, I wouldn't say frequently ebb and flow, but a traumatic incident could definitely happen later in life that does completely change your experience and the way you feel like your needs were being met.
2: Yeah, it's definitely not like a week by week basis. So I would say it was like yeah. twenty five years of ink an- of avoidant, and then probably like one or two of anxious, and then after doing so much work on myself, more secure. So it's cool. It's cool to see that. I mean, you can you can feel it. I mean,
1: oh, and I don't know. It's just, yes, yeah. <laughs>
2: Tyler and I just recorded an episode of like our relationship and I'm like we both just have this like immense amount of trust in each other we're not super attached like obviously we don't want to leave each other but we're not like I will die if you leave me um wow. yeah we just have a very healthy relationship like so it's that's it's really cool to see like I we've never once been like where are you going who's gonna be there like I don't know like I I could do anything he wants and I wouldn't care. (laughs) So
1: yeah. And you, and you do feel it. I mean, anxious attachment as we're talking about it, like it is anxiety driven. So you're going to get all of those physical symptoms. You are going to be anxious. So you absolutely can feel those physical symptoms Mm -hmm. pretty frequently. Um, When you are in that secure attachment, secure relationship, there is so much more calmness. And if there is a little bit of anxiety, that's okay. But it's more of like what you do with that information and how you calm that anxiety and cope with it. So even in secure attachment, people are going to get maybe those moments of like avoidant or anxiousness, but it really is like to what scale does it go to and how you're coping with it. That really makes the big difference in how you're communicating about it.
2: Yep i love it anything else we need to know about anxious Um,
1: i would say just like a little tidbit to as like a little tool to close out with for people um a helpful tool for this we talked about like the awareness the evidence log but i think something that's really helpful and this is probably maybe some people new to inner child work but thinking about your attachment as this is a need that was not met Mm. at some point in your childhood. And it really is like the youngest versions of ourselves trying to get these needs met and feeling triggered. So it's really helpful for people that are new to inner child work to really like do some research and engage on that because a lot of this is what is called like reparenting. So you're really reparenting yourself to give yourself that need. So when you're feeling really anxious, it could feel like that that consistency was not met or some type of childhood wound to be able to give that to yourself and not seek it out externally. So I think along with just identifying your attachment style, really identifying what those wounds are and feeling empowered to be able to give that to yourself because unfortunately you were not given that as a child and that part of your childhood is triggered and coming out. So being able to reparent yourself and give yourself these needs rather than seeking those needs from a partner.
2: Amen. Starting with yourself first, like you're never going to be fully fulfilled by anything or anyone outside of yourself. It has to come from you first and then choosing other things outside of yourself to bring you extra joy or happiness, um, but not the sole purpose of your life. And happiness and joy cannot come from anything else other than yourself. So that's perfectly said. It's funny you say that. So I always tell Tyler, like, I feel like I was born at the age of 30 because, (laughs) like, that's when I started reparenting myself. Like, I was literally parenting yeah. myself at the age of 30 of like, okay, Kayla, like, talking to myself, like, this is what we're going to do now, and this is what this is, and this is your trigger, And this is, you know? Like, yeah, it's crazy. Like, I don't even feel like I was living, really, for 30 years, because I was just so unaware of everything going on. I was just, like, there. I was just, like, wow. physically there. But, yeah, I feel like I've had to parent myself for the last three and a half years. And that's something that I really – when someone asks me, like, what's the most – what am I most excited about about being a parent? It's, like, giving my child everything that I was not given, honestly. Absolutely. And making sure that they're not parenting themselves at the age of 40. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're going to know early on. So they're going to be securely attached to me.
1: <laughs> I love that. I've always the Yeah. Point. And I agree, it's it's hard. And again, going back to like, it's not easy to accept that you even have to be in the boat to reparent yourself in the first place. I but know. Once you can get used to that and feel that empowerment and feel how much it changes your behaviors and you can see that difference. It really is just such a healthy habit to have, to be able to have those conversations with yourself and give yourself what you lacked as a child. Yep, Exactly. I love that conversation. I'm excited
2: for the next three. I'm going to I do more know. research next time. But I think that was really, really good. I I really enjoyed that. It's a lot of little like bing, like light bulb moments <laughs> in my head for sure.
1: Absolutely. It's so fascinating to talk about because even if, you don't specifically relate to a certain attachment style it's likely you have encountered someone with that attachment style or it just kind of helps make sense about a previous relationship or friendship so it's always so fun to talk and learn about
2: i think i don't know everyone has to obviously have one right absolutely everyone has okay Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so y'all better figure yours out. Figure (laughs) yours out, and then when you do, let me know what you figured out about yourself and how you're going to fix it. If you're secure, come to me and tell me some tips.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we want a poll on who is secure. Yes, (laughs)
2: yes. I'll put it out there when we release the episode. Okay, Morgan. Well, that was so good. Um, Yeah, I'm excited for the next three. I am so
1: excited. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Yes. Thank you. You're so good. Uh, All
1: right. well, We'll talk to you next time. Okay. See ya.